Hello everyone, this is Tim Dodd. Welcome to the Believer's Faith Challenge podcast. Faithful to give witness to tens of thousands, yes, and to the millions that believe it. And believes in I believe that God's gladly lived a packet until all around the world it's been circulated. Greetings, brothers and sisters. Welcome to another episode of the Believers Faith Challenge podcast. Today is a very special day for us in the studio year because we have a special guest. He's from a country that we've covered a lot in the podcast. But I'm not going to give you anything away here. I'm going to have Brother Tim Dodd introduce our special guest today, Brother Tim. Thank you, Brother John. It is indeed a special day for us. We have our dear friend, fellow worker, laborer in the mission field. We call it a mission field. We, he calls it home field. Yes. <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. we have Brother Stephen Abali from Uganda. Welcome, Brother Stephen. Thank you, Brother Tim. God bless you. That's God here. bless you. Yes, sir. Good to be here this Today, we this is a first time for us because usually when we have podcasts uh, from Uganda, we'll, we have to make an internet connection because the internet connection is slow there. We have to record on this end and then they record on that end. And so it goes back and forth with questions and answers and takes some time. Mm-hmm. But today we're live in person yes, in the sir. studio having a conversation. So we're just thrilled to have you here, Brother Stephen. Thank you, Brother Tim. Now... We've known each other since the 80s. Yes, sir. And uh, we're just very, uh, I count it a personal blessing to have been associated with you all those years, Brother Stephen. And, Me too. Uh, and we are thankful for uh, your life and your ministry. But we were just talking a little bit earlier, you actually came into the message in the 70s. Yeah, and just the winding up of the 70s, that was 1978. And so you were amongst some of the very first believers in that country. Could be so said, yeah. Yeah. And uh, where, how did the message come into Uganda in those days? Was it books? Was it? Was there any ministers? What was happening? Actually, the message came in the country by way of books. Okay. Yeah. And the first books that came in uh, came in from Kenya. And then uh, later, live ministry started changing exchanging between Uganda and Kenya at the time. Okay. Yes, sir. I understand. So now when you received the message, you personally, so let's show the people a personal experience. Um, how did you come personally come in contact with it? Um, this was in 1978. I was still a young, uh, energetic Pentecostal man, and uh, mm-hmm. I was uh, out trying to win souls for the Lord. Mm-hmm. as I knew it at that time. And so I visited the town of Tororo. Okay. That's on the eastern side of the country. And um, as I was going from house to house, trying to share out my experience of Christ, I met this little group of about 15 to 20 people. Mm. And they were in a time of fellowship. And so as I entered the asked uh, how I was doing. I said I was fine. And so there was this old gentleman. Uh, He was originally from the country of Malawi. Hmm. And then uh, he was a man that was under the ministry of Matson Bose. Okay. And uh, Matson Bose, you would say? Yeah. And he had come into the country uh, to 
you know, uh, also testify of the uh, little light that he had because mm -hmm. at that time he was now, you know, preaching baptism in Jesus' name and come out of her, my people. Mm. So when I got into this meeting, they asked me to share some. Okay. And uh, indeed, I went and um, opened my Bible to First Samuel, and uh, I opened the scripture where, you know, the eyesight of Eli was dim, and mm -hmm. so I started speaking about the priest with a dying sight. Mm. And so after speaking, um, I was confronted with a question, unto what were you baptized? Uh -huh. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is 1978. Right. And, um, you know, being in the Pentecostal circles, mm -hmm. we had been brought to know that there was a group that thought they were going into the rapture in 1977. Uh-huh. Yeah. So they told us how they begin with you. And then I said, my... I think I got them this time. <laughs> <laughs> so I try to defend uh, the Trinity the best way how. And uh, at every angle I was coming, I was losing the battle. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, I asked about, I confronted them and I said, you are followers of William Branham. They said, yes. Mm hmm so I said, how about 1977? Mm -hmm. They said, we are not going to answer that, but we've got a book for you. Mm -hmm. So they gave me the Seven Church Age book. Okay. And that was my first experience with the message. Yeah. In a month, I'd gone through the book. Mm -hmm. And then when I went back to them, they gave me the Seven Seals. Okay. So like I started from the top of it. Right. You right. see what I mean? Yeah. So um, when I took the seal book, I just went through, I think it was about two weeks. Mm. I had gone through the book wow. and I went back. It was October 1978. I said, where's the water? Amen. I must be baptized. October 78. I was also yeah. baptized in October yeah. 1983. <laughs> yeah. It was actually on the Canadian Thanksgiving weekend. Wow. <laughs> so it's it's always a Thanksgiving for me. Yeah. Amen. That's wonderful, Brother Stephen. And from there you begin to minister. What was your first time in Canada? What year was that? And that was uh, 1988. Okay. Which yeah. is 10 years after that. Right. Yeah. So, that, so you didn't really know any... And it, it'd be important to share with the people... Back in those days, like we're, we're so used to technology and spreading the message now. How easy was it to get the message back then? Brother, it was not easy at all. Right. But uh, with a heart that was burning with something new, you know, you just got caught into it, you know, right from day one because I was uh, out there among the Pentecostals. That's where I started from. Right. You know, so um, we really you know, didn't have much around us. We didn't have recorders. And we, we didn't have enough books. And, you know, there was uh, uh, a small number of believers then. And when you hear of a brother from a certain place having that message you are looking for, 
you had to travel and stay a weekend or whatsoever uh-huh. so, so you that can read the you message, can huh? read the message and uh, then you can do your own quotes out of it it was not an easy thing yeah right so yeah. if you wanted a book where would you get it if you wanted to have a book how would you obtain a book back um, then um it was just not easy mm-hmm. uh what happened is um, by grace i do not know how but you know we started getting books from edmonton right so many times you didn't have to choose what book we wanted to have sure and to begin with we really even didn't know how many books they were yeah so yeah. whatever came our way is what we had and we made sure that we made use of that message and that's an important point to mention in that in the printing of books you don't just print any book no because many of the people like you say who are receiving the books they don't have a choice yeah you they get what you give them that's true and so there are there you know what we at bible believers and when, when we do translation we have a list of 227 different titles that we consider fairly well covers the message and comprises the nucleus of the message i mean all of the messages are pertinent but you have to start somewhere Yeah. And so we start with these 227 titles and so we feel that that will be sufficient for the people to fully grasp the message of the hour. And that's right. And so I think you can relate to that in the early days uh some titles that we might consider im- vital like the rapture, Christ the mystery of God revealed, uh unveiling of God, you know, there's so many titles you could mention. Yeah. The token desperation all of those things you might not have had that for quite a while yeah in fact we didn't mm-hmm. yeah, in the beginning but um you know later on we started getting um uh specifically you know uh there were books that were done in three titles mm-hmm. and these books were generally related in uh, in material content. Right, right. So we started getting those and uh, like brother Brant this is brother Harold Hildebrandt in Edmonton would put these books together three titles so he'd put like uh life story and yeah. how the angel came to me yeah, exactly in the that. same book yeah, and yeah. maybe um my new ministry or something you know that would be closely yeah, related. Yeah, closely related. Yeah. And um you know one thing which i realized that most of these books that we're receiving uh, actually uh began from around 1962 upwards mm. most mm. of the books that were received okay and so we were exposed to the most challenging uh subjects at an earlier age right right and uh, we had the ability to bite out and uh, uh our teeth into truth at that time uh-huh. yeah amen amen um i don't want to spend a lot of time on your personal testimony but i find and you can just share this with us i always find the lord is is most unusual or maybe it's the fact that we view him as unusual as we come into contact with him in our early experience and we begin to develop our relationship to Christ it seems like in the 
in our birth, in the beginning of our time with the Lord, is when he's the most supernatural. That's true. And those things happen, and he's confirming himself to us. He's confirming the message to us. Any outstanding testimonies from your early days of what <laughs> God did for you? Yeah, um, it's very interesting that uh, uh, we went through a lot of challenging things. Uh, one of the uh, most challenging time was uh, uh, way back in 1983, uh, 84, 83, around there. Mm -hmm. uh, I took a time um, to go and testify or preach rather uh, on the streets of one of the towns in the eastern Uganda. Okay. And that's uh, the town where a brother called... Uh, Herbert Makoba comes from. Okay, yeah. yeah. And, I know uh, Brother Herbert. Yeah. He testifies to that. At that time, he was not a believer yet. Mm. And this is a town which is uh, uh, so much, you know, filled with uh, Muslims. And you know how, you know, hardcore they are. Right. But uh, here I go into the place and, you know, I start preaching and then the rain starts coming and so I said, Lord, I stop this rain that the word may be preached. Amen. And, uh, you know, uh, the people kind of make fun, but right there and then, you know, the rain stops. Amen. And then I preached Glory. and I said, Lord, I want to confirm to these people that you just stopped the rain for the purpose of this message. Mm. And immediately after that, I called the rain back, mm. you know, and... Uh, my platform was an anthill. Okay. And, uh, you know, I'd climbed up there with a megaphone. Okay. Before I was down, everybody was literally wet Amen. with rain. Amen. And uh, we had some kind of an epileptic girl in that town. Mm -hmm. She kind of, you know, went into an attack. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, she was kicking. And uh, I called that spirit out and told her, rise and walk. And that's what exactly happened. Amen. And so, you know, at that time, we had a lot of, um, um, you know, back and forth with the Muslims. Mm -hmm. But uh, most of them wouldn't want to come near me because they believed maybe I had some supernatural power. <laughs> and so thereafter... Uh, you know, we got some Muslims coming in the dark of the night and mm -hmm. pulling off their capes and they wanted to take a Christ as their personal savior. Oh. Amen. Yeah. Some, that's one of the uh, most uh, interesting thing on the mission field that I can uh, easily call off. Yeah. Amen. That's wonderful. Wonderful. You know, those early testimonies are always glorious, Brother Stephen, and I think a lot of years passes, a lot of things happen, and, and many things almost get forgotten. Yeah. And uh, not forgotten, but just other things begin to take their place and importance of the present yeah. time. So I'm going to jump forward all the way to 2013. Yes. All right? Yeah. And uh, I know that's a lot of ministry for you between the late, <laughs> the early 80s and 2013. You're yeah, talking 30 true. years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we want to get more into what's currently happening. In 2013, we we started the radio broadcast. Yes, sir. And the, what happened was we we 
number one, we set up um, audio translation of the Luganda language. Yes. And that was a key. Brother Kim Dingwall was instrumental in that. Very much so. And uh, Brother Fred Chienji became the voice because he has such a good voice for yeah. radio. Yeah. And it was a... It, it, not only was he loved by us for his voice, but the radio people loved his voice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, they really liked that. Mm. So so he began to do translation. And then then the audio translation, we would take Brother Branham's messages that were audio translated and divide them into portions. Yeah. And you would arrange that for the radio broadcast. And so explain to the people, as we begin to do a radio broadcast, how the broadcast was conducted? Um, well, uh, we started really working with particular sections of the tape. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where we felt like the major uh, message that the prophet was trying to present would begin from. Right. So we would kind of get ahead of personal, you know, comments that Brother Branham would make with people. And then um, we would start at that particular point. Mm -hmm. And uh, after that was done, then I personally would come behind that and uh, lay certain emphasis mm -hmm. in some of the areas that Brother Branham was trying to bring to the people. And so when I would do that, then I would uh, give the public some bit of time uh, to kind of uh, reflect back into what they've had. Right. Yeah, so they would call in and, you know, when they would call in, then I would get an opportunity to more emphasize certain areas, especially from the angle of their questions. And... Um, that actually caused the people to begin asking for uh, appointments. Right. And some of them began to call us. I remember one of the major things that happened was uh, a certain gentleman who was a Baptist minister. Right. And uh, he kind of... Uh, reached out to a brother in that town uh -huh. that uh, that was in Kaliro, and uh, he specifically reached out to brother Huntington Balita. Okay. Yeah. And he said he would want to meet me. Okay. And so a meeting was arranged. Now, before you go any further, yeah, I want to just take a step back yeah. and just say, now the, the people have to understand, our listeners need to understand that the reason we would only take a segment of Brother Branham is twofold. Number one, time constraint. Yeah. We only have a one-hour radio broadcast. Eventually, we went to an hour and a half. An hour, yeah. But initially, we only had an hour. Yes. So we had a half hour of Brother Branham preaching and then opened the phone lines for anybody to call in yeah. and ask questions of what, what was just preached. Yeah. And that would begin to stir the thing. And part of it was and I remember our conversations back then, was that uh, the the people had made assumptions about the message. Oh, yeah, quite a lot. So they thought we believe certain things or we understand things a certain way. Yeah. But then uh, as they begin to hear Brother Branham himself preaching, that began to resolve some of the questions. Indeed. 
so some of the so so now this Baptist minister obviously had that happen to him. Now he's made arrangements to meet with you. Yeah. Go from there. Yeah. Then you know, uh, as you already said, uh, they honestly believed that we're not Bible believers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, when uh, they started hearing Brother Branham preach, right. He was deeper in many areas than what the rest of the Pentecostal world, of course, was able to 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 to, to bring out. Yeah. So this Baptist minister invites us, and he opened up uh, quite a number of his churches, mm. and this is where uh, the change in uh, the area began from. We are now not talking about the area where Brother Fred comes from, mm-hmm. but we are talking about the eastern part of the country. Okay. Yeah. The major outbreak of this message was when uh, that uh, Baptist minister, uh, you know, got involved with me. Okay. So we were moving so much from church to church and right. visiting his people. And I took this opportunity and uh, uh, took the depth of the message and taught redemption, taught Godhead and taught the fall and taught, you know, many things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's the beginning when the message started going out. Right. And then it went beyond him now. Right. <laughs> No, but he opened the door. Yeah, he did. Or God used him to open the door. Yeah. And yeah. then it went beyond him mm-hmm. because some other ministers started coming in mm-hmm. to listen to us. These are still Baptist? Some of them were mm-hmm. and some of them were not. Okay. And so then that's where the entire revival in the area began because now different ministers really wanted us in. Right. Yeah. And it came to a time, Brother Tim, that uh, I think in a nutshell, he wanted us to kind of uh, prop up his organization. Uh-huh. Yeah. But eventually, he felt like the organization was slipping away from him. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he tried to kind of cut us off, it was not possible anymore. Right. Yeah, right. the people had had enough and, uh, you know, they took it individually. And actually that entire region uh, in the Kalilo district was basically founded upon former Baptists. My, my. Yeah. And I think it's a great example, uh, something we were talking about just earlier, Brother Jean, with you, and that is that God sovereignly opens a door. Right. It, it isn't that we have to force a door or that, you know, we did in one sense by the radio broadcast, broadcast the message Mm -hmm. out to whomever would hear. It'd be no different from street preaching only on a bigger level and, uh, or, or witnessing or handing out tracts, but it it just went on the uh, Bosoga FM radio station, if I remember right. And and went out throughout that region to millions of listeners, really. And so, and it be, actually became a very popular radio broadcast. And I talked to true. the manager of the radio station. He said, 
It's not just that you pay for the time. If the, if the program itself wasn't popular, we wouldn't have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it in itself became popular because people begin to listen in. I think initially out of curiosity, uh, some of the ministers begin to listen maybe so they could take notes and say they're wrong here and they're yeah. wrong there. <laughs> but then yeah. they begin to discover that we were right in our doctrine yeah. in the Bible. Quite a lot. And Quite so, a lot. Yeah. So this um so this is a great example of God opening a door. Sorry. And and like you say, you walk through it um without pretension. Right. Yeah. With without uh, preconceived ideas, saying, "Well, I think it's going to work this way." Not at all. But you, God just uses you and takes the message and reaches His people, so that even when the leadership turns against the message, mm-hmm. the people already have received it. Yeah, the people have already received it, and uh, uh, this uh, led to another level again because mm-hmm. uh, uh, you find quite a number of people believe the message. And sometimes the leadership doesn't believe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then that's when we started getting people getting separated for the message. Yeah. Like it started out way back mm-hmm. in the early 80s. Okay. You know, when we were moving out and separating ourselves for the message. Right. Like this is a new cycle mm-hmm. of what had already happened before. Yeah. And this is what we are going through. Sometimes the leaders themselves, mm-hmm. uh, with the majority of the people, would believe the message. But then sometimes they are on a property that belongs to an organization. Right. You know, all this kind of thing now started a new cycle that people were separating themselves for the message. Mm-hmm. And uh, then they needed... Uh, uh, a way they can be able to gather together to worship the Lord, and you know, yeah. So that's again another phase of it, right? Let me go yeah. back to the first yeah. church, yeah. Okay, was it Chimaga? It, it was in Chimaga, okay. So yeah. in Chimaga, we thought, you know, as we discussed, here's a group that came in, and we thought, you know, that's wonderful. The whole church, the pastor, yeah. everybody's yeah. you know coming in under the light of the message, but they got kicked out. Yeah. of their denominational holdings. And so now they needed a shelter. And so we built them, uh, by God's grace, with the help of the donors, we built them a uh, a nice solid roof and pillars, yeah. even though we didn't build them walls, but they, they could fill the walls in with bricks. And it was a really nice structure because we thought, well, this is so unusual. You know, just one church came into the message and it's wonderful and not realizing what was about to happen. Yeah, and. Yeah. And I remember the service of uh, at that church that yeah. at where I went to, and but more interestingly, there was a second service down the road. Yeah. Remember after yeah. Chimago? Yeah, after Chimago, I yeah. want to say Majira or something mm, like Majira. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and so we went to that service to this tattered structure oh, yeah. of poles and ripped yeah, tarpaulins yeah, yeah, and yeah. everything and trained on you yeah <laughs> and it rained on me and but as i'm there preaching that was the most unusual service because that's where the rainbow appeared yeah mm. so tell the story of the rainbow from sitting in the congregation because i didn't even know what was happening yeah you know uh here you were and uh, you know the tattered roof and uh, the rains started and uh, People were not moved by the rain, you remember yeah, very well. Yeah. But then while it was raining, you know, there come up a sun. 
mm-hmm. you know, rays began to shoot right behind uh, the pulpit where you were. Right. And only to look behind that, you were standing in between an arc right. of rainbows. Yeah. And, you know, it was very, very amazing at that time. I think it really moved the people. It did. They began to get excited, and I thought it was my preaching they were getting excited about. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But it was it was a rainbow. It was, it was like God was confirming it to yeah. them, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, I don't want to make some great big spiritual sign out of it, but it was something unusual for the people. That's true. Brother and Dean. and those are precious times. And it was the humblest of buildings and yeah. probably the most tattered structure I have ever preached in in Uganda. Yeah, that's true. It's it was quite quite. Uh, rudimental it it was um i I wouldn't call it a church building it was not a building either right you know so it it was uh, very amazing when it started raining and uh, you were not moved you continued preaching and the people started squeezing themselves in and then all of a sudden sun rays began again to sink through and uh, then all of a sudden then that rainbow. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Those are precious times. Yes, sir. But so we thought that that was so unusual and a rarity and we might not see it again. And, but then all of a sudden, like you said, yeah, one door opened, another door opened. That's and then true. another door opened and then this area and then another area and another area. And so it began to be different churches begin to open up. And wow, I, I, from, and that was 2015. So now we're in 2023, so it's hard to believe it's been eight years since that time. And a lot of things have happened. You said in in the service the other night... Uh, 1,500 people have been baptized this Since year. Since the beginning of the of the year. That's just that the people in your area. Record of. Right. Yeah. That's not nothing to do with Brother, Brother Fred's doing. Yeah. But and, then in that area, we, we are talking about an area of about 15 different districts together. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm. And But really, as I've mentioned to people many times, that doesn't include pastors receiving the message, getting baptized, and then going home and baptizing their own people. Yeah, and that's how it is happening. Exactly. You know, and uh, many times these pastors, they've got friends. Mm-hmm. You know, they are leaving behind. Right. So they go and uh, testify to the people mm-hmm. out there, and they begin to baptize people that way. Right. And, you know, the multiplier effect, and, uh, you know, it's like, we do not have it in our hands specifically anymore. Yeah. 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 It is a truth that has, you know, uh, been embraced by different people and these different people are taking it over again. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's like, you know, that Roman candle, you know, it puts out some fire and out of the fire again, another fire. That's how it's happening mm-hmm. all around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. And still goes on. And that's why I wanted to, to emphasize that even after eight years, you're still seeing uh, volumes of people coming into the message yeah. that in themselves are uh, is unusual. Uh, I will say that in probably... 2016, 2017, around that area, 
was probably the peak numbers. Yeah, if that's we, true. If we could just say numbers, it's really hard to say because, like, say a lot of the numbers we don't see. We yeah. just see what comes to the surface. Yeah. And then what goes back and the churches are changed and all those sorts of things. And again, I'll emphasize what Brother Stephen is sharing is separate from what Brother Fred would share. That's true. Because you don't work in the same area amongst the same churches. You're yeah. doing completely doing the same thing in completely different areas amongst completely different people. That's true. Now, uh, we just what can we say but praise God for what He's doing there? Honestly, yes, honestly, um, it's not very easy. Yeah. for a person to understand it mm -hmm. unless he has been part of it. Right. And uh, we thank God that you've always uh, spent yourself among us, you mm -hmm. know, to come and really be able to see what God is doing. Uh, you know, it's not something that somebody can uh, explain because in the message, we've not been used to numbers. Right. right. Yeah. Our churches are normally small. And uh, we don't say these are bigger groups either, mm -hmm. but we are talking about many different groups that are being engaged, right? You right. know, and so it makes the whole big picture, you know, a very big picture that is very difficult for a person to comprehend unless he has been part of what is happening. I'll say that even for myself, and that's a very good point because to Work in missions. Uh, I don't even like saying it that way, but I'll just I'll just use those terms. And to not be in the field, but rather just be an administrator. Yeah. You know where you might say, okay, they need books here, they need a church there, they need a repair in their building here. You know those types of mission works. That's all good. But if if I had not been on the ground, yeah meeting the ministers, meeting the people, preaching to them, experiencing the move of God there in the many different areas, uh, being, for example, at Brother Elijah's, which we always yeah. go to, and the gathering of the people that's there. I remember one meeting at your church a few years oh, back, I think yeah. before COVID, where you put the tents up and everything, and they were going to have baptisms in the afternoon between the two services. Yeah. And uh, you said, Brother Tim, do you want to do the baptizing? I said, I don't think so. How many people? I think it was like, I think it's 80 people that were waiting for baptism between the services just yeah. to, that came to those meetings prepared for baptism, yeah, yeah. not including those that were going to be baptized mm. still. Yeah. Mm. And uh, and I was like, no, 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 no. I, <laughs> I, I need to preach tonight. I can't <laughs> baptize 80 people. And, and so uh, those were very, very impactful times to me where I realized, Brother Stephen, I just want to say this to you. Yeah. God has given us an opportunity to be a part of something special in Uganda. Amen. And I felt like I could not in good conscience in any way hold back. That's and I true. jumped in with both feet. Yeah. And Bible believers jumped in with both feet, had the full support of Brother Biskel. I remember when I gave the first report here in the church from Uganda, from yeah. my first trip there mm -hmm. after the awakening started, Brother Biskel got up behind me in the pulpit and, and just says, we we have to do something. So he saw it, yeah. you know, and, uh, and Brother Tom 
you know, at that time his associate, you know, he was on side and so many things, it just came together and God put the burden on the church here. And out of that came Project Uganda and every, every, all the books that have been printed, the churches that have been built, I hate to say it, but I'll say the latrines that had to be added yeah, to the churches, yeah, all yeah. of those things, yeah. you know, uh, we thank God for giving us the opportunity to be a part of it. We yeah. thank God. We I, thank God. Yeah. I think it's a very uh, true statement that Brother Stephen just made there about being a part of it. Because even for myself, being a member of the local church here, we get the reports from Brother Tim Dell what's happening in Uganda. But it wasn't until I got involved in missions, like especially in the podcast, that I started being more acquainted with what's taking place there. So that's true. Unless you're a part of it, you cannot really fully grasp the magnitude of what's yeah. taking place in that country. That's true. Um, it's something that's very difficult to believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, you'll get all these people say it's not possible. Right. But they don't say it's not possible because they've tried. Right. Mm -hmm. They say it's not possible because they have not. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I work with a number of brothers there <laughs> who were saying it's not possible simply because they were not involved. Right. When they got involved, they know it's possible yes, because indeed. it's happening. Yes. And so I just want to invite everybody out there mm. who thinks it's not possible, let them try it. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. They'll find out it's possible. Mm -hmm. And the moment you realize it's possible, then it becomes enjoyable. It's a source of joy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Seeing people repent their sins and, uh, commit their lives to the Lord. Let me just say one thing here. Uh, for a person who is saying it's not possible out there, you know, uh, how much have you tried right. to go in right. and you failed to? Mm -hmm. Because the moment you go out, there's a divine backing that goes with it. That's it. Yeah. You have to step out and then God will do the rest. Right. You, you know, and once you have tried and you come back with good results, you will not want to stop tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly right. Yes, sir. And, and you don't do this by yourself. You brought up a point that brings me to my next question is that there are many brothers that work with you. Yeah. And can I mention some names? Please do. So... Brother Elijah, we've already mentioned his church, yeah. and his church is, is still incomplete, but he had to build a big church. And um, maybe I should just give the testimony back then from Brother my first acquaintance with Brother Elijah. Yeah. That, was a, that was an incredible meeting. You know, back visiting Uganda, I, th I think it was, it was definitely before the awakening, but you said, Brother Tim, there's this young brother yeah. who has a church Maybe we could fit in a, I think it was like a Tuesday morning service. Yeah. And maybe we could preach. I said, yeah, sure. I said, I'm, I'm here preaching. I'm in, in the motion. So yeah. let's go and have a service with him. And we got to this clapboard building, just boards on poles. And you could certainly see through the walls. And it was packed yeah. front to back. And Tuesday morning, and we had a service. And the presence of God came down in such a, a mighty way there was a Pentecostal minister sitting in the front row. Yeah. And I still have a picture somewhere of him and he's sitting and the people, this is not video, but as, as he was sitting there listening to the word, he was like, 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just in amazement, you could see his amazement written all over him of the things that he was hearing. I think I should describe to the people listening what you just did here. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Can you describe it? Brother Tim just fell back on his chair and opened his mouth wide in as in this is unbelievable what I'm hearing here. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh and so then from there he invited Brother Elijah to his church yeah. to preach. And from there, other churches opened for yeah. Brother Elijah to preach. Yeah. And Brother Elijah at that time was losing that property because he was only renting it. Mm. Yeah. And so we, I don't even remember how it came together, but there was an opportunity. Different brothers gave and, and bought a piece of land for Brother Elijah, and he began to build bricks and things. And over the years, it's grown to what it is now, and that's where we now have a regular meeting. Yeah. Brother Elijah's one of the brothers that works with you, Brother James Katumba. Of course, yeah. we can't rem forget Brother James. Brother James is instrumental in so what much. God is doing over yeah. there because God equips a man with wisdom. Yeah. And Brother James is an engineer by trade yeah. and used to be a city planner, which for those of you in the Western world don't understand, city planner is a coveted position. Yeah. Because it opens you up to receive a lot of bribes. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and because yeah. people want their development. Right. And so the city planner has to approve the development. So they, they like to grease the wheels, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it was, but Brother James is an honest man and he doesn't work that way. Yeah. Yeah. So, but he left his position as your associate now. Yeah. But God gave him to us to, because he saw, the Lord saw before we did there was going to be a need to build churches. That's true. In multitudes. And we've built about 50 so far. So far. And uh, uh, so Brother James runs all that, plans all that, arranges materials, arranges labor, does all those things, uh, even the latrines and everything. He organizes all of that, has all of the specifications. He's the man on mm -hmm. the ground. He gives me reports. His reports are impeccable. And yeah. just down to the penny or the shilling, as we say in Uganda. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, Brother James, I can't say enough about him, and I don't mean to just go on and on about these brothers. Brother Samson is Samson. involved. Yeah. And I'm now I'm going to gloss over these brothers. Brother Samson is a brother that that the Lord spared his life. He was yeah. in, a, in an automobile accident in a taxi with, I think it was 10 people was in it. He's the only one that lived. Wow. Including the driver. Including the driver. He's the only one who that lived wow. through the accident. And so the Lord spared his life, and he's he was a pastor before, and he continues on in the service of the Lord. Brother Hannington, you've already mentioned. Brother yeah. Hannington Belita, he's a, a brother in Luero. Caliro. Caliro. Yeah. And uh, uh, he's, he's a wonderful brother. He said, I prayed for years, God, why am I the only church in this region? Yes, sir. And now he says, he's. I think there's about 20 churches in there. Uh, more than that. Yeah. More than that. So the Lord has really blessed that area. Brother Padding, Paddington, which is Brother Emmanuel. Yeah. And uh, uh, he's, can I tell on him? Uh -huh. he's, he's one of the brothers that said, it's not possible. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Until he found out it was possible. It possible yeah. <laughs> and now he's in with both feet, both hands, yeah. and his whole being is given over to what God's doing <laughs> there in the country. So we appreciate Brother Emmanuel. I knew him before the awakening. He's yes, just sir. a lovely brother. Mm -hmm. uh, brother Sempa, the yeah. singer. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. he's a wonderful singer, song leader. He's also a pastor there, and he's much involved, I think, in the radio yeah. side of things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and also in the outreach. 
Brother Ivan, I don't know much about Brother Ivan. Yeah, he's uh, a young man um, whom the Lord is, you know, using in uh, another part. Uh-huh. Yeah, way out in the north. Okay. Uh, of that area that we are working with. All right. Yeah. Brother Albert? Yeah. Uh, Brother Herbert, by the way, we've not said much about him. Brother Herbert, uh, basically, is uh, given to prison ministry. Right. And uh, of recent, he has been baptizing quite a number of uh, inmates. I get the pictures. And, it's glorious. Uh, and also even some uh, officers right. of the, uh, the prisons. Prison. Right. Uh, he's... Uh, is such a wonderful brother. Yeah. You know, when he finishes the services in the morning at church, because he now, uh, you know, I, when I was sending out Brother Wilson Semper, uh, he had to go with the helper to begin the work where mm -hmm. they are now. So when he finishes there, he goes for another service in prison every Sunday. Wonderful. I tell you, his church is a little group of people, about 30. But he preaches like he's preaching to a thousand people amen. and he causes those uh, inmates shout hallelujah and amen. <laughs> and uh, Brother Ivan, right? actually the church where he's pastoring, the man who is uh, up around which the church was started, he was an inmate in that prison. Okay. Yes, sir. Wow. So the, the prison church even... The, some of the officers, one of the wardens was yeah. was converted. Mm -hmm. And uh, we can say they're all prisoners of Jesus Christ now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and last name I have on the list is Brother Jeremiah. Yeah, Jeremiah. And your interpreter now. Okay. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> See, sometimes I, I know them by first name basis only. Yeah. And so, yeah. wonderful. Well, we, we so appreciate all of these brothers. And I just wanted to say that to say these are all established ministers in the message. Yeah who have, God has uh, blessed them to work together. And you, I like the way you said it uh, in the service the other day was they, they work together even though they don't always act or see things the same way. Yeah. But you said we've determined to love each other that's true. and work together. Yeah, that's true. And I think that's, that's such a, that's such a, key, um, a key revelation. So these are the workers in the field there in Uganda. Pray for them. You have their names now, and I'm sure there are other brothers whom we've forgotten that that we can uh, obviously talk about. Well, I think this is a good spot to pause the interview. Uh, we're going to have a part two, but we'll leave off right here with Brother Stephen Abali. And I know you've been enjoying it because I've thoroughly been enjoying it. As a matter of fact, many... Uh, many times I think, I wish I could just bring everybody right into the studio to enjoy the atmosphere with us as we talk about these things. But just to speak on these things has been a thrill to our hearts. So this will be the end of the first part, and we'll continue next week with part two with Stephen and Bally. Thank you to our listeners. Looking forward to part two. Until next time, God bless you. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Remember, friends... The bridegroom will not come until the bride has made herself ready. She must be both called and fully dressed by the Word of God. This was another episode of the Believer's Faith Challenge Report podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. 
If you're interested in more podcasts and more content as it pertains to mission, please go to our website at BibleWay.org. That's BibleWay.org. And subscribe to our newsletter. We will make sure that we send you updates on a weekly basis of the works that the Lord is doing all over the world. Additionally, you can send us an email at info at Bible-Believers.org. That's info at Bible-Believers.org. And once again, we'd like to thank you for your support. This podcast would not be a success without you. Until next time, may God bless you.